for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Every time I come, I feel like I was just here two weeks ago. And each time, there's more and more of you that I know, and, uh, and you don't seem to go, oh, Ben's here. It's, it's just a sense of fellowship and friendship that uh, means a lot to me. It makes ministry work a lot better. I feel less like a professional, you know. Uh, I just love coming here. We are in the process of, now we're praying about how to get my wife and three daughters over here for like a week or so, so they can learn all about England and meet, meet you guys while I minister. When I take my family on, uh, on international trips, they get to see more of the country than I do. I, I, they show me the pictures of all the places that they've gone that I don't get to. So I, I need to know more about England, and I figure if I bring my family over, I would learn more. Um, had a great time. Where's Richard? There he is. Um. <laughs> this is a, up to this point, it's a private joke, but uh, Richard is, is starting to walk into a world of fashion. It's true. And, you know, just, I mean, n- not radical. He's not going to start wearing skinny jeans or anything like that. Please don't do that, Richard. But it's just so, yeah, just ask him about it. Ask him about it. And um, didn't, we, didn't we decide that right after church at your newly remodeled house, everybody's going over for a party? Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, that's not true either. But uh, he'll hate me. He'll hate me. I'm your opportunity to walk in love, brother. Um, boys, it's good to be here. I have a message that on the front end, it's going to feel more challenging than it is. So, so just sort of at least trust me on the front end that it's going to end, out, end up all right. Um, I'm going to pray and I'm going to share the message and let's see what God can do in our hearts today. Um, Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done and what you're doing. Right now, I, I thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit. Yes. Holy Spirit, we, we welcome you. We thank you that you're here amongst us. And for those of us who have received Jesus, we thank you that you dwell in us. Holy Spirit, you're the one that reveals truth. You're the one that makes Jesus real. You're the one who transforms us. And while it's great that you're with us, that can't be all that we can expect of you. Holy Spirit, would you do things this day in our hearts, in our lives that only you can do? Would you do that for our sakes? Do it for the sakes of the people that we say we love and do it for the sake of your name that we carry with us wherever we go. I've met a lot of people who say that they, you know, they really value this or they really have a passion for that. And I'm, I'm sort of, though a prophetic guy, I'm pretty practical. You know, there's this idea that if you're pre- you know, prophetic, you don't even know how to do a budget. You know, you're not real practical. But I'm pretty practical. And uh, if someone says they have a passion for something, I sort of believe them, but I, I just ask them, like for evidence of it, you know, not to test them, not to interrogate them. And, and this is true with my kids, raising my kids. They could pro- probably lip sync what I'm about to say, that how much you actually value something will be evidenced or determined by two things. The extent to which we really value something will be determined or evidenced by, by just two things. One is our answer to the question, what are we really willing to do? Um, You know, I know it's important for us to believe God, to have faith in God. But, you know, Scripture's really clear. Faith without doing something is dead. Uh, That's that's the American paraphrase. Um, Faith without works is dead. So a lot, well, I'm believing God for, for, 
for, for better finances. I'm believing God for a better marriage. I'm believing God for my kids to grow up to be world changers. I'm believing God that I can overcome, you know, and, and there's something about a raw faith in God that God loves. But for that faith to become more real in our lives, there's just action steps, just to get the train out of the station. Um, even if it's just little things, just little things. You know, when God told Abram, you know, you're going to have a kid, and he was really old. Um, he was well past being able to produce a child, and so was his wife. Um, they, they believed God, but forgive me, they mixed a little action with their faith. They had to, and they took those steps, and it produced a child. Um, so the first thing, I just want to lay out this first fact, that the measure of how much we actually care about something is determined first by what we're actually willing to do. If you say you have a passion for something, but you're not willing to take steps, I'm not saying you're lying, but your passion isn't as strong as you think it is. Okay? Or you have a passion, but something's holding you back. Now, just because you go do something doesn't mean that what you do is, you know, it works. I mean, sometimes we don't know what to do. We do something, and it fails, and so we try something else, and that's okay. But when you really care about what it is you say you care about, not only are you willing to do something, you're going to be open. You're going to be willing to learn and to grow in best practices. That's, if, 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 if you have a passion for something and you're doing something, if you're really passionate about that thing, then many times good enough is just not good enough. If you can do it better or be more fruitful. I mean, this is true in marriage. You may can have, maybe have a, an okay marriage. Do you have a passion for your marriage? Yeah. Well, go to a retreat. Oh, we're good. We're not fighting. We're not throwing things at each other. Yeah, I know. But what about up in your game? What about just taking it to a new level of intimacy and partnership and learning you know, some best practices, not just the things that will get you along. Now, mind you, I am not pushing some sort of works mentality on anybody. This is not religious. You know, you got to do better for God to love you more. But we improve when we start doing something. And then, by God's grace, partnering with God and all, we start finding out Best practices, you know, finances, you take anything. I, I just need to, how many of you are familiar with the um, American uh, sport of baseball? Three of you. God bless you. Well, <laughs> all right. It's sort of like cricket, only more exciting. <laughs> I swear to you, I still don't get cricket. I've watched it. I've read, I don't, I don't get it. But anyway. Um, but there's a certain part of the game where the guy throws, we'll call it the ball. I think it has another name. What's the name? Oh, it's a ball. Okay. No, you Brits have different names for everything, you know. Sphere. The sphere, the little small hard sphere. And there's a guy with a bat, right? You call it a bat? Okay, well, our bat is a big wooden stick. It's not this paddle, okay? Well, anyway, in baseball... American baseball, there's a, a pitcher. He throws the ball, and the opposing guy, his job is to hit the ball. And when I was in Little League, that's you know, when young, young kids play this game, I had absolutely the most beautiful swing. I mean, I did. It was just boom. And really, coaches would go, look at that guy's swing. My dad would, would tell his friends, my son has a great swing. And I look good doing it. The only problem is I couldn't hit the ball. <laughs> I just couldn't hit the ball. It drove me nuts. I mean, I wanted to hit the ball. I had passion. I had batting practice. And I swung with everything I could, and it would look beautiful. But it was, I mean, I, I didn't get any hits. It was bad. So I'm going through weeks of this, having games and having my father, you know, encourage me, you know, well, that's a good moral victory. You, should, you swung hard. But I didn't get any hits. 
didn't help my team. And then my coach said, I want you to do two things. You know, there's this stick right near the end, right? So I get maximum momentum. He said, move your hands up. We call it choking up. Move the hands up the bat. And then instead of being like this, go like this. And, you know, I'm a kid, and I want to be like a big boy. And I thought holding it near the end and being like this, that's manly, right? So when he told me to choke up on the bat and then bring my feet in, I felt like I'd been demoted. You know, just, and he goes, okay, now do this. And I just was upset with him. And he said, look, if you don't want to practice that, you don't have to play. All right. So I started practicing, and I started hitting the ball. I mean, just whacking it, hitting it. And, and it was amazing. Then got into a game. I became a feared offensive weapon. I mean, and I'm hitting it. And, I mean, back then I learned that it's not enough to have a passion to do something. It's not enough to just do your very best. Sometimes you got to be open to better ways of doing it, better practices, you know? Come on, guys, you know this. You love your wife. She knows it, and she comes to you with a problem, and, you know, you're there, you're there for her. So your first thing is, well, you know what your problem is, and then you try to fix it. How does that work for you guys? <laughs> right, ladies, does that work? Right? Nine times out of ten, you no, no, the I appreciate your heart to fix it, but that's not the best way to fix it. You really want to fix this thing? Listen to me. Be understanding. Be a soundboard. Have empathy and compassion. And then if I want your practical input, I'll tell you. But the chances are, if you just let me talk it out, I'll get my answer and I'll give you the credit. That's what happens. Ladies, ladies, you, you can just sort of go like this to your husband and say, did you hear that, right? So it's not so, and the guy goes, I'm just trying to help. And yeah, you are. But the thing is, there's a better way to accomplish what you say you want to accomplish. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah? <laughs> you guys are looking at, so, and I do this with my kids all the time. Oh, I want to be a ballerina. Okay. We'll get you uh, lessons, and then we'll you know, carve out a space at home so you can practice. No, I don't want to do that. I just want to be a ballerina. <laughs> I go, no, you got to practice. If I'm going to pay money for your lessons, you're going to practice. But I really don't want to do it. I just want to, on the stage, I'm going, no, you don't really care about what you say you care about. Because when you care about it, you'll go get your lessons, and then you'll practice. My kids have got this down Solid. When they, when they say they want to do it, my first thing is, how badly do you want to do it? And they're going, okay, this will cost me. This will cost me. So this is true for all of us, not just kids, not just baseball players. Fact one, the measure of how much we actually value something is determined by our willingness to just take steps, just steps, and over time, our openness to discover and to grow in best practices. Here's a second fact. These, these things I think are facts. If you don't think they're facts, well, bless you. Here's the second fact. Just look at your land. Yeah, in America, I have ample opportunity to look at my land, our politics. I, I, and I'm not going to get political. Our politics, really? I mean, how crazy can it be? And uh, gosh, the, the darkness that has encroached upon our land. And again, I'm not going to get political, but you know, um, you know, the, the decay of marriage, the decay of relationships, um, the amount of sexual perversion, um, just, and just absolute disrespect for any kind of authority, and just darkness and sex trafficking, it's bad. It's bad. And it doesn't matter what side of the lane you are, what political party. 
anybody with eyes to see would go, especially if you're a Christian and you hold basic Christian perspectives, you go, wow, things are not really that good and they seem to getting more. It seems like our land is being increasingly impacted by the kingdom of darkness. Let's just widen the idea of what our land is. You could look at your land as your country. You could look at your land as your community. You could look at your land as your family. You could look at your land as your workplace. You could look at your land as even just your own life. And living life in your community, in the workplace, whatever, you can't help but realize that you can see a lot of good things, you have a lot of hope for a lot of things, but the kingdom of darkness, the values that are incompatible with the values of the kingdom, the, the kingdom of darkness is just making these inroads. And most people care about their land. I care about my country. I'm not really happy with my country, but I care about my country. You care about your country. Um, do you care about your land? Do you have a passion to see your land just experience the kingdom of God in a way that just brings life? And I'm not just talking about your country. It could, it could just be your, your neighborhood, your community, um, your extended family, or your family, or even your own life. You can just go, well, this, this is good, this is good, but this is... Oh, a lot of pressure. Oh, I've been influenced by the world. There's so many ways we can understand our land. And I think it would be fair to say that whatever you take to be your land is being increasingly impacted or pressured by the kingdom of darkness. There's all these pressures to compromise. So here's some questions for us. See, this is, this is starting out sort of heavy, and it'll eventually lift. Please trust me. First question. What's the condition of your land? This is not a condemning thing. This is not one of those religious so how's your life? Do you have sin in it? It's not, it's not like that. It's just stand back and go, what's the condition of your land? You know, are you passionate about your life, your family, whatever you're called to, your community, you know, your nation? What are you passionate about? And just ask, so how's it going? What's the condition of your land? Second, ask this question. So what are you willing to do about it? What are you willing to do about it? Now, in America, when people have a passion for their land, you know, Americans are very proactive. We're, ready, we're like ready, fire, aim. You know, so we just don't think things through. We just go do it. And so what, in our culture, when people want to go do something, their natural reaction is to rant on Facebook. <laughs> Come on now. I know you guys don't do that. But is this, you know, or, you know, if, 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 if their marriage isn't going well and the husband starts catting around, going around, and boom, I'm going to take care of that guy. Boom, I'm going to put the videos of him cheating on me on Facebook. That'll teach him. It's just, I know you guys don't do that. But in America, it's amazing the things we see on Facebook. I know I'll solve the problem. I will rant on Facebook. That's something that some people do. There are other people who go, yeah, it's bad, but it's not so bad. It could be worse. And they're like a case sirrah, sirrah thing. That, that's how they engage the encroachment of uh, the kingdom of darkness. Or what they do is they go, boy, this is really bad. This is really bad. I'm just going to resign myself and I'm going to isolate myself so whatever is bad doesn't get worse. Um, there's always a response. There's always, when you look at your marriage, you go, you go, oh, things are starting to get bad. What are you going to do? You can either rant and scream or be resigned or go, oh, good enough's good enough. Or you go, hmm, I just hope it gets better and you just isolate yourself and you work harder at work hoping things will get better at home. What are you willing and prepared to do? But the real question is, 
what, from God's perspectives, are our best practices. Whatever it is you're doing, you know, ah, this is a problem, and you're doing something, that's great, but ask yourself, the fun, from God's perspective, what would be the best practice? What would be the best practice? If you have a concern for your land, what would be your part in addressing the problems in your land? See how practical this is? You guys are looking at me going, I got up early for this. I want to read to you a portion of scripture that I believe most of you are, are familiar with. And uh, then I just want to briefly go through each line to give you something just to hang on to. What I'm going to propose to you is not the only way to respond to difficulties in our land, but I believe it's God's best foundational practice that, that whatever else God wants you to do, getting this foundational thing established in your life, that's, that's the best practice to start bring, uh, addressing the problems in your land. Okay? It's in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. If your land is in need of healing, rant on Facebook, resign yourself, just pray, I mean, or there is something you can do to see your land get healed God's way. So I want to, and I, I just want to say right at, right at the outset, all these things are available for every Christian. The, 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 this formula, if you will, is available for every Christian to grow in. There's no elitism here. It doesn't say only the most spiritual can do this. These, these, pra these best practices are available for every believer. So if my people, who are called by my name, um, you know, God, God loves everybody. He loves everybody. He laid down his life for everybody. But not everybody is his people. Not all of God's, God's beloved are his sons and daughters. It's just not true. Um, you got to be born again. When you become born again, when you, when you give your life to the real Jesus, God doesn't love you any more than he did before you received Christ, right? But you're not a son, you're not a daughter of God except through faith in Jesus. So this is a message. It doesn't exclude people. It doesn't say, well, if you haven't received Jesus, it stinks being you and that God doesn't love you and the people of God are going to reject you. That's not what's going on here. But God's saying, he's basically saying, you know, you see the problem of your land? I'm going to equip my people to be the solution to this land. So he's speaking to those who are his kids. Okay. This is not an exclusionary thing. I remember when I wasn't part of God's people. Did I know God loved me? Absolutely. I knew God loved me, but I'd never bent the knee. I'd never seen my need for a Savior, and I, I just didn't. And then when I made that transaction, I experienced more of the love of God, but I realized I'm not more loved now than I was before, but now I'm part of the family. It's just different. That's what salvation is, not just getting your ticket punched for heaven. It's just you're brought into a family that you never were in before. So, if my people are called by name, by my name will humble themselves. What is it to humble yourselves? There's so many things you could do. A lot of people go, well, I'll just, I'll just be a worm. You know, I won't express my opinion. You know, I'll let people trample me. I'll be very humble. Someone like me, I don't even know how to live like that. <laughs> you know? Humility, I think, is something that is more accessible to all of us. Humility 
in my reading is when someone's humble, they have learned to hold their own opinions and their own experiences lightly. I will repeat that. People are genuinely humble when they hold their own opinions and their own experiences lightly. They don't throw out their experiences. They don't throw out what they believe, but they hold them lightly. Uh, Another way of talking about someone who is humble is someone who's teachable. Someone who's willing to go, this is the best I know, but I might be wrong, or maybe there's a better way. That's real humility. Just think about it. The most humble people are not people who walk around like this, is there, and they're not all relativistic, but they just go, I think I know what I know, and I've had my experience. Those things inform my decisions and my perspectives, but I'm going to hold them lightly because I, I might be wrong, or my, there might be a better way. How many of you have held opinions that you were sure were right? Or you based your decisions on past experiences and you were sincere and then you found out you were wrong? Come on now. Absolutely. Everyone here has done that. And you're sincere. Your ideas of God. All of a sudden you go, all these times I was trying so hard to please my father. He's already pleased with me. I was wrong. I mean, isn't it amazing? Real humility comes when we are willing to hold, to not be territorial over our opinions and our experiences. Hold them lightly and be open for correction and improvement. Husbands, you all know this. I mean, one of the great humbling agents in the whole world is your wife. Really, because she's smarter than you. My wife's smarter than me. And I keep on trying to prove to her that I'm at least just as smart. I've given that up. I give her my best ideas. She goes, oh, that's a great idea. Have you thought about this? And I'm going, ah, again, <laughs> again. But the thing is, I'm a smart leader. I'll, I'll, I'll draw from the best practices. I don't have to be right to be right. Get it? This is a lot of marriage counseling today. This is great. Um, so if my people um, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, Now, what does it mean to pray here? It's not to have a prayer event or or time of prayer. If you just break this thing down, it's to develop a conversation with God. If my people will just sort of hold things lightly and then get the conversation going. Um, You know, prayer is not just what you do in the morning, if you do that at all. It's not where you go, okay, i got to pray now. And you go like that. Prayer is fundamentally conversation with God. And and God's saying, look, you you want to heal your land? Hold your opinions and experiences lightly. Start talking to me. Start talking. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you feel. If you're having a bad day, great. If you're having a good day, tell me about that. And ask ask me my opinions. And then wait, and, and I'll teach you how I talk to you. Just get the conversation going. It takes a while. It takes a while. For those of us who don't have that, that kind of prayer life, it might be scary, but just do it. Just start talking. Say, God, I'm about to ask my boss for a raise. Please help me. Please help me. I don't want to lose my job, and I really want the raise. And, you know, things like Just talk to him about stuff. Talk to God. And then make room for God to talk back to you. But just start talking. You're not insane. Really. Well, you know, here I am, I'm talking to an unsee God. What if someone sees me? Who cares? Prayer is our, it's it's life. And talking to God, it's not giving spiritual speeches to thin air. Talking to God is talking to God. He's unseen, but we know he's real. And just start talking to him. And you don't even have to be eloquent. You don't have to go, yea, verily, truly I say unto thee, O mighty God, I mean, some of you don't talk like that normally. Why do you think you've got to talk like that to God? Just start talking to God. Just start. To, I, my kids, the way they talk to God, it's just sometimes I'm going, come on, you know, be a little articulate, right? No, but they just, oh, God, you know, my sister, she's such a jerk. I don't know what to do. I, I, I'll take it because they're talking to God. So if my people will hold their opinions and experiences lightly, 
and just develop the lifestyle of talking to God. It's just a lifestyle. It takes a while. And then seek my face. Now, seeking God's face, many times is this like super spiritual thing. What are you doing? I'm seeking his face. You know, honestly, most people have no idea what they're doing when they say they're seeking God's face. Zero. But they know it's the thing to do. A few years ago, we were having devotions. Oh, actually, I was just having devotions with my, uh, my oldest daughter, Rose. And, uh, you know, we do this every, every night for an hour. No, it's a miracle that we can get a devotion going. Um, and we were reading something about, in Psalms, you know, your face, O oh Lord, you know, I seek your face. And uh, she just said, Dad, what is it to seek your, his face? And I went, like, good question, because she really wants to know. And I go, what do you think it is? I don't know, but the idea, if I seek his face, am I going to really see Jesus' face? I mean, and that would be scary. And, and what if I seek his face and I don't see his face? Does that mean I, I'm not doing it right? And I'm going, these are great questions. And I'm going, mm-hmm, how do I answer? Well, I realized, I, I, I'd done some study prior that the word face in the Old Testament often means, well, it's like, the Hebrew is like pineal, and it actually means presence. And so I did a little experiment. I said, Rose, I'm going to, teach you what it is to, um, to, to experience uh, my face, but without seeing me. She goes, what? I go, close your eyes. And I go, okay. She goes, okay. Close your eyes, and I want you to tell me when you feel me. Right? And so let's say this is her nose. Right? So what I did is I, go, I, I got real quiet, and I went, and I was about right like this, and she goes, there. I go, open your eyes. Wow. I go, you didn't see me, did you? No. But you, you, sensed, you sensed me. She goes, yeah, that was cool. Right? <laughs> right? And, I go, I, and, and I'm telling she goes, you know, it was really weird. I knew it was you, and I just felt really close. And I go, yeah, that's right. And she goes, okay. So I, the idea is, you know, pray with the idea of getting that sense of connectedness. God doesn't want, you know, you can have conversations with your wife, but your heart's not connected. You can, you know, you, you, you can schedule your day, you can be nice and all that, but that sense of connectedness, you might not have it. God's sitting there going, hold your opinions lightly, hold your experiences lightly, get the conversation going, not just so you can con- converse and get your prayers answered and hear God's voice, but do it with the idea of seeking his face, seeking that sense of connectedness. And connecting uh, with God is not always this orgasmic thing like, oh, I felt God. I mean, if we have to live like that, we'll never get anything done. I mean, to have the super spiritual experiences, my gosh, there are times when I'm with my wife, it's whoa, right? But we don't live our whole life like that. You know, I take the garbage out for her. I, you know, she finishes my sentences and all. That being connected can't be determined just by a set of experiences. So it's just a sense of connectedness. Well, a couple years later, um, the rest of my kids, well, we were having a family devotion, and we were talking about seeking his face, and Rose goes, Dad, do the paper thing, do the paper thing. And I figured I'd, say, I'd do a little more, I go, because we were talking about a topic like sin. You know, and when, when, when God finds sin in our life, he doesn't condemn us, but he wants to remove it to restore that sense of connectedness because he's more into relationship than we are. So I, I told the girls, I go, all right, girls, watch what Rose and I learned. And I, we did the experiment. We went like this. I go, now tell me when you feel me. There. Oh, Cool. And, of course, the other girls are going, me too, right? So I did it with my other two girls, and they all experienced it. They closed their eyes. Well, Tess, my middle one, kept on going like this, open her eye. But stop it, right? So, so we got, and each one of them, when I get here, they would just sense my presence. And they'd open their eyes, and there I was, scared them half to death. Anyway, and I go, now, let's do this again. This will be really fun, right? So I did it with Rose, only this time, 
I go, okay, Rose, close your eyes. And like, here's her, her nose. And I went like this, took a couple pieces of paper. And I said, okay, I go, okay, Rose, tell me when I get close. And when I got closer and closer and to the point where my nose was touching the paper and her nose is on the other side of that paper. And she did not sense my presence. She knew I was near, but she didn't sense my presence. And I go, okay, Rose, open your eyes. And you know, she saw the paper. And I go, so Rose, what are we going to do? She goes, uh, Dad, would you please remove the paper? And I go, okay. And she goes, there. When we seek the presence of God, God will show us our pieces of paper. It could be bitterness. It could be disappointment. You know, I've been in ministry for a while, and there are times when I feel I I should be doing this, and I'm just not being recognized, and I get my, well, I just get all upset and, you know, insecure and all that sort of stuff. And do I pray with God? Does he talk to me? Does he do things on my behalf? But you know something? The sense of connectedness to, to God is just no, it's not as vibrant. But when he shows me some of the things in my life that are getting in the way of that sense of connectedness, they don't undermine his love, but that sense of connectedness, all I got to do is confess it. I go, you know, this is a piece of paper. <laughs> it's my piece of paper. I confess my piece of paper, knowing, God, that you're faithful, you're just. Not only will you forgive me, but you'll remove the piece of paper. Isn't that what 1 John really says? He doesn't say, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, just to wash us, forgive us, and then sense of connectedness. Now, here's here's what happens. When we seek his presence, Many times, what's between us and him is like a wrong idea. The idea that, oh God, you know, what I did, you know, I've asked you to forgive me 18 times and, you know, do it one more time. And the unbelief is what's getting in the way and God God will just speak across the paper and go, I already forgave you for that. I'm not going to hold you to that anymore. The paper's gone. Or the person you were is not the person you are. And it's not the person you're going to become. And that, you know, that, that false idea, you've got to hold your ideas light, right? It's really interesting. When you start pursuing the presence, the sense of connectedness to God, our wicked ways or the things that displease him, something happens to us and we're just willing, quickly, go, remove that paper. When we get to the place where the sense of connectedness to the Lord is more important than any piece of paper, then we have a good life. You know, our position, whether people like us and all, those are important, but if they get in the way of that sense of connectedness, guess what? I will will do my best to drop anything that gets in the way. When when you spend, you you know why people really like going to meetings? Because they have, I get to experience God. You know, we can do this seven days a week. You know, we can. Can you imagine living your life where there's a sense of the abiding presence of God wherever you go, and someone ticks you off, and you go, oh, I'm not going to let that offense get in the way of my, I, I forgive them. To, to live a paperless life is the best life there is. Does that make sense? So if my people will humble themselves, Pray, get the conversation going. Seek my face. Well, then turning from things that God shows just happens naturally. If we develop that lifestyle, here's what God says he'll do. First, he'll hear from heaven. Now, hearing from heaven, if you start breaking down, it actually means to be, to, to listen attentively. Have you ever just maybe talked to your spouse or your friend, and you know that they hear you, but they're really not listening, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, they could recite what you said, but they're not engaged. But my little daughter does this all the time with me. Well, she's not so little anymore. But, you know, I'm always multitasking, and she is so aggressive. She, she'll go, hey, Dad, blah, 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 and I'm doing this, and she will go. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. You know, she's telling me what she needs. And I drop it, and I go. And then she talks, because she knows how good she feels when she knows I'm attentively listening. Now, I could get everything she wants and get all this done, but it feels different. Think about it. You start living like this, God's no longer distant, and he's, you, even though you know he's engaged, when you live that way, you experience how engaged God is. When you talk, he's not sitting there going, oh, there's so many prayers, what to do? Yeah. He's just going, yes, what? There, there's such an engagement when you experience that God's attention is on you. And then, I will forgive your sins. Now, a lot of people, they've gone to God and all, but when you're really experience forgiveness, it should be liberating. It really should be liberating. Like, yeah, you may have to you know, go through some consequence, but when you're forgiven by God, that should be a weight off you. But here's what many people do. They, they go, all right, God, I sinned. Please forgive me. I know you forgive me. But then they spend a considerable time not forgiving themselves. All right? And that... Many people take that to be a sign of, well, real conscientiousness. Honestly, I think that's the, one of the highest forms of spiritual pride. Let me say why. When you say, I know God for, has forgiven me. I know that. I've done business with God. But I just can't forgive myself. What you're saying is your standard of righteousness is higher than that of God's. And, you know, and I've done some stuff that, you know, I just, oh, the woulda, coulda, showed us if only. It's hard, so hard for me to forgive myself. You know where I found my liberty? By saying, oh, God, thank you for forgiving me, and forgive me for my spiritual pride. I, you know, I have a ream of paper between me and you, and I can't forgive myself. It's because I think I have a higher standard of righteousness than you. Please forgive that, and Boom. That's for free. So, if my people will learn to hold their opinions and experiences lightly and start getting the conversation going with the idea of, I don't want to just get answers to my prayer. I don't want, just want testimonies of the goodness of God. I want to connect with God. When you start connecting with God like that, change happens. Pieces of paper go, right? And you're freer. And God says, if you just develop that lifestyle, I'll hear from heaven. I will forgive you. You'll feel a lot better. You'll be closer to me. And I will heal your land. Now, is God teasing us? You live like this, watch what I do. Look, I actually believe that when average, ordinary, broken people like us start growing in that, imagine what a group of people who are transformed people like this, you know the impact we will have on our spheres of influence? will actually be answers to our prayers to heal our land. Oh, my wife, she's a jerk, and my kids are doing this. Even if you're not responsible or at fault for what they do, make that drive you into God, and then when, when, when you start impacting them, there's just a greater power. And sometimes, sometimes the more we spend time with God, getting ourselves changed, it sort of distracts us so we see God work on our behalf and, you know, without our help. Folks, the church 
as God's plan A to heal our land. Not just the organization, not just those, but the church that is willing to hold their experiences and opinions lightly, that is willing to just develop the conversation with God, to, uh, to make his presence a sense of connectedness, not just an event, make that a priority, and be willing to, to change and allow God to change us. Mm. He says he'll heal our land. So here's our questions. So what's the condition of your land? What are you willing to actually do? How willing are you to discover and grow in and learn God's best practices? Why don't we try something right now? Just for the heck of it. The Holy Spirit is so gentle. right? Why don't we have a time of paper removal? Right? Nobody's going to have to go up and go, oh, here's my paper, I'm so bad. How about, let's ask the Holy Spirit yeah, how to do this. All right, I'm going to, please, why don't we just close our eyes and just chill. All right? Holy Spirit, you're the one who reveals truth. You're the one. You're the one. Lord, search us, try us, and see if there are any pieces of paper in our lives. If we have unforgiveness or we're still beating us up, up ourselves for things you know, or we're finding that we have insecurities that are rattling us or even some people going, oh, I know God loves me but I've never really surrendered to him. All you have to do is confess that. Say, Lord, I see that. I confess my unforgiveness. I confess my, how I treated someone. I confess, gosh, my unbelief. I confess my spiritual pride. Or I confess that I'm, I'm loved by you, but I'm not yet your son or daughter. I confess that. Would you please remove that thing so I could sense your presence? Just take a time and just do it. It could be God's leading you into something, taking next steps, and you're scared to death. Confess your fear. He, he, he will put that paper in its proper place. Lord Jesus, I ask that as we just allow you to remove paper, it would just restore that sense of your presence, the sense of connectedness. And God, if, if we can experience just a little bit of that now, oh, how much more if we develop a lifestyle of just holding our opinions lightly, talking to you, making a sense of connected with you such a priority, and, and turning when you want us to turn. God, we, we would like to live that way, not only because it feels a lot better, but people who live that way, God does extra special things to heal their land. Now, if there's anybody here that you're going, I have a piece of paper, but I'm just having a tough time with it. You know, Scripture says if you, if you find a righteous person and, and you, you confess that thing, you know, you'll be cleansed. If you would like to just come up and we will pray for you, or if you say, you know, it's not a matter of paper. I need to be a son or a daughter of God. I need to just bend my, my knee and give my whole life, my past, present, and future to the real Jesus. Maybe that's what God's telling you to do. This would be a good day to do it. Um, God's gentle. He's kind. There is no condemnation. But God's best practice is to take us from where we are into the next things that he has for us. Part of our vision statement um, is that uh, we will be partner. We want to partner with Jesus every day in our, da in our daily lives to extend 
his kingdom. That's, that's what we are committing ourselves to. And what Ben has said, many really helpful things today, but there's, there's one thing in particular that my spirit... Well, yeah. And it was, if you cannot forgive yourself, you have a sense of a, your righteousness in your own view is higher than God's. And when, when God can forgive, and yeah, you'll forget. But you're holding on to it. Um, I, I sense, just, we're not going to get the musicians up, but if, if you know that's, that's the thing that you've had difficulty with, will you please stand? Because, uh, because it's going to be important for you to fulfill the vision for this church and the Great Commission to be able to partner with Jesus every day to extend his kingdom. Because if you're still walking around with that sense, I'm not sure God's really forgiven me, you won't be able to flow in what God wants you to flow in. That makes sense. So in the quietness now, just before we close, if you know, yeah, that's me. We've all been there, haven't we? But if you know at the moment there's something that you just want to, you can't sense that, God, you can't forgive me for that one. Will you just stand and we'll just pray for you. This is, uh, this is how we get breakthrough. Yeah, come forward. Because God wants to... The purpose of this is for the Holy Spirit to get you flowing in such release in your daily life to partner with Jesus to extend his kingdom. This is what it's about. And, yeah, you may be a fa- faithful church member and all that sort of stuff, but your heart, you've just been sort of far from God. You're not quite a prodigal but you're far from God, and you just want to come home. You just want to have that sense. I've been too busy. I've just been, I just want to come home, that sense of connectedness. If that's you, please join, because uh, God will just. I love it when all the ladies, oh, there are, we finally got a guy. All the ladies go, oh, I just love connectedness. Guys, we need connectedness. Now, we're aware that it, the time's gone. Um, the children um, will need to be collected shortly. So we'll say this is the formal bit of the meeting finished. But please, if you want just to happy just to sit a bit more and, and just enjoy and think about what's been said, that is fine. Then we can, we'll find our way for coffee in a moment. But uh, um, perhaps we could just... You could help us. Just can you reach your hands out and just... And because we're, this is Holy Spirit moment. If you were here, yeah. How would you want other people to pray? Yeah, that's good. Holy yeah. Spirit, yeah. Push da da there. Where they've been, where they've been, and just the load that they're carrying, it's not worth it for them to carry that anymore. You said that if we come to you, we take our burdens. And you take our burdens and you give us something that we can carry. So, Lord, we know it's the Spirit of God that can just break the yoke, that can remove the paper. Okay, so, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you release the Holy Spirit in a way that will just take the lid off that burden. Holy Spirit, just come. Just come. Come. 